0: Thank you.
1: Nation version 2.0, I'm Dan, and with me is Rob and Callum. We can't find him. We don't know where he's at tonight. He's he MIA.
2: He defected to another E-country. E- or E-country.
1: E- <laughs> yeah, hard telling. So, Rob, what's up, man? What's been going on? Crashing any helicopters this week?
2: Uh, no. Well, yeah. So. <laughs> uh uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't know, I mean, I had a a sort of, not really a crash, but I had a kind of a hard landing with my X-5, and uh, cracked the landing gear, Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know, whatever, you know, winter's on the way, and it's starting to get colder out, and so I was flying yesterday at work, and I mean, it was cold, it was probably like 25 degrees out, 30 degrees out, you know, and everybody knows, you know, plastic gets more brittle and stiffer and stuff like that when it's cold out, and... Tell you what, man, the bird flies great in the cold weather, you know what I mean? But um, came in for kind of a hot auto and landed a little bit hard and, and no harder than I maybe would land. You know, sometimes if you land, and you kind of do kind of a bobble on the skits or whatever. Mm-hmm. Didn't notice it until I got back in the office and, you know, was working, getting ready for my next break to take it out. And I noticed the landing gear was cracked. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit, you know, and I don't have any spares or anything like that with me. And so I'm like, well, damn it, I wanted to fly again or whatever, so. I went ahead and went all MacGyver on the on the landing gear and stuff like that. And uh, I took a one of my old uh, ID badges, like uh, just an old worn-out one, and cut off some strips of plastic and grabbed some duct tape and just <laughs> super glue and just totally crutched that thing all back together so I could R-
1: A rubber band and a peanut shell and a paperclip?
2: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> some silly buddy, <laughs> whatever. Uh, worked fine. I mean, I've been known for that because my uh, – My wallet doesn't necessarily agree with my flying style sometimes, you know, so I don't always Mm -hmm. have the stuff I need here uh, to stay in the air or whatever. um, So I've been known to repair landing gear and boom braces and, you know, other kinds of, you know, non-mission critical stuff. Well, I guess landing gear is mission critical, I guess. But, you know, I'm not going to go stick a rubber band on like a blade grip, you know, link or something crazy like that, you know. I'm not Mm going to. I'm not gonna look at the uh <laughs> the the throttle uh linkage and uh see the crack and leave it there anymore you
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> so you can watch the helicopter go to the heli gods
2: you're right, you're right, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah with a crick in your neck from looking up in the sky,
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: so you know i think I think we've all been there, dude, I think you know I mentioned uh we you know with my vibe fifty I would pin drill a hole in one side, drill a hole in the other, and just kind of epoxy the whole assembly together to try to save a few bucks but
2: You've been, uh, you been flying? You've been out uh, tearing it up? It's getting cold well, you out know, your way, too. Oh, dude, snowing.
1: It's been snowing for about five days here.
2: Dude, every time you talk about snow, and I tell you I don't want that uh, storm to come, you're like, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> we haven't hardly got shit. I got, like, maybe a, a quarter inch of snow on the ground. It's not going anywhere. It's going to be here all year, I'm sure, but, or all winter. But
1: Yeah, yeah, and see what what. what, what for those of you who aren't aware, Rob lives directly west of me, a couple states. But I think what's happening is it's losing all of its energy somewhere in the plains, and it's just not reaching you, goddammit.
2: <laughs>
1: no, uh, you know, the, the snow is the biggest hindrance for me. The cold really isn't – I don't like the cold, but it's the snow. It's just hard to get around in. But yeah, one, one cool thing. Uh, one of the guys in the club got got in touch with a local high school, and they gave us permission to to fly it, in their gym. Yeah, then. got permission to fly on Sundays from two to five, and um, it's perfect. It, you know, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I went in today, and uh, hmm, the gym is small. Let me just, you know, it's a small school, small little rural town, and and this this gym is, it's like the out of balance line the wall
2: <laughs> nice <laughs> it's not it quite like, that bad it's but... like a basketball court and that's it <laughs> yeah but...
1: they do have some they do have it's not quite that bad they do have some fold out or some pull out benches you know the this the seating which Oh sure. is probably probably eight seats high so what i'm getting at is it doesn't come out very far maybe 10 feet
2: oh, okay yeah
1: so not that's a lot enough, of room
2: it's enough room for a little tiny stuff i guess
1: Exactly, and that's exactly, I mean, I was having a great time with my MCPX, and, you know, it's funny, all these old guys at the field, and flying their their planks, and looking cross-eyed at my helicopters. Yeah, right. They all brought helicopters
2: today. Uh, (laughs) Damn closet heli flyers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like they don't want to admit it in the summertime. But no, I mean they they pulled they brought out the old coaxials. A few of them brought some MSRs, and uh, I was actually surprised. I was actually really surprised how well some of these old guys could fly these MSRs. And yeah, and I was tell I just said, guys, you, you're you're flying circuits. You're you're doing figure eights. what's stopping you from getting a helicopter? Yeah, right. Ah, yeah, 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 goddamn helicopter. Yeah. 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 i a straight wing. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't have a wing. You know. <laughs> so anyway,
2: there's no monocode on that fucker.
1: <laughs> what happens when the when the motor quits? Goddamn, things just gonna fall to the ground.
2: Uh, they call anyway, it dead stick. Ugh, you can't dead stick that thing.
1: <laughs> so anyway, they had a, we had a good time. Uh, to be honest with you, I mentioned a few shows ago. There's a there's an older female lady that I don't see eye to eye with at the club. We'll, we'll just leave it at that.
2: Is that the? That's the, uh, the pull your card in front of everybody, lady. That, yes. That. That's. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, I remember. That's,
1: and for those of you who aren't aware of what I'm talking about, you should go back a few episodes and check that out. It's kind of a <laughs> funny story.
2: She just, was wait there. Till, just wait till election time, Dan.
1: Exactly. I'm gonna run for the club secretary treasure. Somebody needs to be dethroned. Anyway, she was there, and, uh, you know, she's kind of the fun sucker. Yeah. Uh, wasn't I? Wasn't really feeling it trying to avoid her. It's kind of hard to do in that little gym, you know?
2: (laughs) Right. You can only run so far before you hit the wall.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, uh, she was there for a while. She left. And that's when the real fun started happening. In fact, right towards the end when she was there, there, a a guy came in who was a friend of Fred, who I mentioned quite often, a a local guy I fly with here. And he brought a little MCPX, not a member of the club. This is a public gym. She wouldn't let him fly. What? We're talking about an MCPX here, guy. We're talking about—I don't even know how much that thing weighs.
2: Yeah. You know. I mean,
1: right. I mean, I mean, my point is, what's you know? Oh, don't, yeah.
2: What's it, it going to hurt? You didn't pay your dues.
1: Don't break that backboard with that MCPX.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> anyway, so uh, she doesn't listen to the show anyway, but uh, probably you know when she when she left, we called him, told him to come back. He just lives right there locally, nice. so. There you go. Yeah, he came He came and flew. Had a good time. Flew a lot and was really enjoying it. It was good. It's fun to fly in a gym. You've done it, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, man. We got a gym uh, here. It's a uh, – and I'm sure people from all over the country, here in the United States at least, can relate to this. It's a school that our tiny-ass town that already has like umpteen million elementary schools and a middle school and high school and all of this other stuff – decided to spend a shitload of money that they didn't need to spend on this huge-ass school that does, like, K-9 through nine or something crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whatever's clever. The cool, the school is pretty cool, but the point is this gym is huge. You know, it's got a full-size uh, racetrack around it, you know, inside. So what is wow. it? Uh, I guess, what is four. that, 800, 800, 400 meters all the way four, around
1: or something four, like that? 400 meters,
2: yeah. Yeah, and it's got three basketball courts side-by-side um with the uh like they could put out the soft partitions like the soft kind of just big long Mm -hmm. sheets or whatever they go through there and you know basketball hoops you know up and down the courts and on the side so each court has one two three four five six hoops that can come down so 18 Mm -hmm. hoops in this whole place and um i'm buddies with a cop friend of mine here in town and he has access to the facility too, for the purpose of flying, and so that he's got keys, maintenance keys, and stuff for all the hoops and the lights and the all the stuff. And so we'll go in there and just open the thing wide up and fly in that thing, dude. That's fun. I'll take my Galley 200 in there. I could fly full speed circuits all the way through there, you know, and basically full routines because the ceiling is super high. I mean, shit, I flew my Galley 550 in there a couple of times too, but um, that was a little bit too loud and nerve-wracking, so I don't fly that in there. Mm-hmm. You know, how it echoes and gyms and stuff like that. But
1: yeah well you know i was thinking about that exactly uh you know these 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 450 kits that i got i talked about last show yeah putting one of those together uh fred brought out his uh fury 450 and yeah. you know like i said small gym and i he goes should i fly and i said well you know i think if you just wanted to work on some hovering exercises out there you know how the gyms have the circle in the middle
2: yeah right? oh sure sure
1: I said you could kind of use that as a gauge and you could practice your nose in, your side hovering and stuff like that. So he did it. He he fired it up. And yeah, in that little gym,
2: <laughs>
1: that 450 sounds like a monster.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, it just, just yeah, it's loud, I'm sure. And
1: even, even way out in the middle, just hovering, you could feel the air being pushed around, you know, on the sideline. You yeah, could feel the yeah, air. Sure. So that was a lot of fun. Looking forward to doing that every Sunday. Um You know, I had my my scooter there. You know, I kind of take that everywhere I go. I uh, didn't take my trailer. I have this platform on the back, and, you know, you release a lever, and you drive the scooter, and the platform tilts, so it just drives right off onto the ground. Yeah, yeah. Well, the parking lot was pretty icy, snowy.
2: And, uh, <laughs> I, did you have to get a tow, Dan?
1: <laughs> no, man, I was, I had that thing out there and I was doing Brody's man, just spinning around, just having a hell of a time
2: doing the Rockford's and stuff.
1: <laughs> nice. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if I had, uh, if it was, it was, if it was a car, the neighbors would have called the cops and said, there's some kid, you know? but anyway, so, you know, I got the thing just, you know, on the drive there, it got messy from the road spray and stuff like that. Cause it's about a 25 mile drive or I don't know if it's that far, but anyway, it's a drive. And so I get into the, go to drive into the gym, and and I, you know, as you walk, as you go into the gym, there's those all weather mats,
2: right? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Just kind of designed to get the mud and dirt stuff off your
2: yeah, feet the, and no, mats and stuff. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I'm 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 sitting there. Uh, before you actually go into the gym, it's it's like 20 feet of this stuff. So I'm sitting there going back and forth on this, trying to clean my tires off before I go into the gym. And I get in there, and I'm, after about 15 minutes, I'm starting to feel a little self-conscious. You know, there was a, some friends of friends of there that weren't flying, just kind of watching. And I noticed, look, kind of looked down. I noticed I had a big mud puddle, not, a water puddle underneath my scooter.
2: <laughs> Your scooter's leaking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all the, all of the water and the snow just was
2: melting off, and it really.
1: I kind of I was like, man, I should have brought a towel. I should have brought something.
2: <laughs> get a little squeegee for the back. This little squeegee mount on the back of there. That'd be like a little <laughs> yeah. Jim Zamboni. Little, you can, <laughs> little Zamboni.
1: <laughs> so we did that all day today. Well, from two to five anyway. It was a lot of fun. Looking forward to it next week. That's um, cool,
2: man. Yeah, like my gig is not like super regular, but uh, when we get a chance to go in there, it's it's a good time. I want to I'm going to fly some more this year. I think I want to put together uh 450 myself and over the winter and mm-hmm. just to have one you know I'd whatever i've never flown on that size so it'd be kind of fun
1: we've got permission to do this uh every sunday for the next four months so that should be bringing us pretty close into the spring so that's pretty much all that's been happening for me this week this winter sucks and for all of you I, i'm gonna keep saying it all through the winter so if you live where it's nice Kiss my ass.
2: Yeah, you know I put a post on our fa- on our wall about cold weather. F- I said, "Was that cold weather flying?" What do you guys do to prep? Everybody's talking shit. They're like, yeah, well, well I put well, on I a jeans. In, yeah, I live in Florida. Yeah, you fuckers.
1: <laughs> I put on jeans and if I have to a hoodie. <laughs> you <know? laughs> right. did, did you see what I put on mine? I said I hide behind. I hi I hide in my house and uh, sit next to the wood
2: stove. There you go. That,
1: that's how I prep for winter flying.
2: Well, you know, now that I got a nice sim too, you know, I, I've flown Clearview for the longest time and I dig it, you know, but it's just there's only so much like the graphics are okay, you know, but they're just not they're not great enough to feel immersive and the physics are pretty good too, you know, but it still feels pretty simmy and video gamey, you know, and so I finally bit the bullet and got Phoenix and I really like it, you know, so I probably will spend less time forcing the issue and trying to fly outside when it's freaking 30 below outside and just you know do some simming and stuff but i mean i gotta admit though man i kind of like uh i like trying to go die hard every now and then like last winter i think the coldest it was when i flow flew outside was and i'm not shitting you here it was like negative 45 fahrenheit you know and i'm out there flying my uh 550 and you bring it back inside and like instantly all the metal just frosts up you know because of the temperature change and stuff like that you know but
1: that's too cold dude that's too cold
2: (laughs) but we
1: don't want to get too much uh talking about the cold weather flying because we're going to talk a little bit about that towards the end of the show so i think maybe what we should do is see about some news
2: news of the day
1: news uh... of the so, I don't have another one. <laughs> Bobby, I told you not to use that fuel, dude. Dude, that fuel was badass. My motor would looked awesome, too. And then it blew that up. fuel is junk. You're That's
2: junk. why your helicopter's is running feel-
1: like crap. I'll- searching that. Well, anyway, you guys are listening to RC Haley Nation. This is Bird and Bobby <laughs> from SmackTalkRC.com. All right, so news uh hmm. I got a piece of news. What do you got? What do you got? Uh testify, brother.
2: Testify. Tes- testify. Testicularfy. Mhm.
1: No, uh, mind, the, the guys Your over... mind's
2: all Your mind's always on the balls. <laughs> you don't it's... check your balls, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, my news is the uh uh the guys over at Spectrum put out the latest firmware update for the DX8. Um mm-hmm. I know that the last one was put out to try and resolve some of the initial release issues that people were having. You know, there's some glitching and stuff that was happening. But the last firmware update was still having other problems as well. It was less than desirable. So hopefully this one uh, will finally button up some of those headaches that people have been having. I mean, obviously, it's a lot, a lot less than what we we were hearing from initial reports when the DX8 first came out. So they are improving on it. Having a platform that they can readily do those updates, I think, is crucial spectrum so it's cool that they're able to do that uh but this one um has got new telemetry support for the g4 sensors so we'll be able to put g sensors on the helicopters and you know planes if you fly planes too or whatever and and uh read that you know save that log data too um they fixed the calibration screen that wasn't calibrating correctly in the last firmware so that they've got that one tuned up a little bit better too and they fixed a couple other interactions that had come about from the last firmware, uh, when you're setting up certain mixes and stuff for airplanes and stuff like that. So you DX eight owners, you know, I'm sure a lot of you guys are already out there trying to download it and see what you think. I know some pro- people are probably apprehensive, but, um, by all rights, couldn't be any worse than what you got now, you know? So, but mm-hmm. DX 8s cool radio. So, I mean, I think that's cool that they've done that dude. Personally, I think the G four sensors are pretty sweet. It's a pretty sweet thing that they finally have that support built into it because, um, you know, you're aware of that uh, what, it's the TI-7 or TI-1000 or whatever it's called, that little dongle you plug into your iPhone. Well, you can read all the, the telemetry data live. I think it would be really sweet to be able to see live feedback of how many Gs you're pulling while you're doing the flight. You know, you couldn't be staring at the thing while you're flying. You know, your buddy would be you know, your your whoever's spotting for you, whatever, could be doing it, you know, um, while you're flying and stuff. So that would be kind of cool. If you hit 9 you know, Gs, you hit 12 Gs, mm, sweet.
1: You know, dude, you know what else would be really cool about that? I don't know if this is possible, but they could somehow translate that data into force feedback on the gimbals.
2: Oh, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. The g data. Oh, yeah, because you could, it would like you could feel the stick almost like push back on you. certain Yeah. Uh-huh. That'd be pretty wicked. That'd it, be expensive it, it, though, but you know.
1: You would think, and it might slow some of you stick bangers down, but I think for you sport flyers or you scale flyers, I think it would be nice.
2: Yeah. But, uh, yeah.
1: So Rob, do you think you're going to be in Taiwan anytime soon?
2: Well, I just got back. Fuck <laughs> back
1: there.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, it's unfortunate. You should have stayed till December four because uh, it's it's International Gowie Day there.
2: Yes. They're,
1: yes, there at uh, let's see, I have it written down here. Taiwan International RC Helly.
2: Yep. Actually, being a Gowie field rep, I've got uh, you know I've. Uh, i've been aware of that since it uh since the announcement was made and it looks like it essentially Gowie is frankly kind of trying to model against the uh align. the align you know the align specific fun flying stuff like that i don't know if it's going to have as big a turnout um i actually had uh some background knowledge about that it was kind of uh, i don't know i think they they they, they came up with the idea, and they're like, all right, yeah, let's do this. And then they, they, they didn't spend a lot of time planning for it. But, I, you know, I think from what I know of Gowie, and that's part of the reason why I am passionate about flying their helicopters, they could pull it off. I think they'll, they'll make it a cool event. So. Well, I
1: think one thing that's kind of cool about that is I was looking through the, the uh, event advertising, I guess you'll call it. Yeah. They're going to be giving away X7s as prizes.
2: Yeah, that's cool, man. I got to mm-hmm. get plane ticket then. Shoot.
1: You better get over there. I mean, you know, I suppose you could probably buy an X-7 yeah. for the price of the airplane ticket. But, uh, you know, then you won't get the feel of the atmosphere of the event being there, I guess. It would be kind of cool. But for those of you who are just, I don't know, going to happen to be in Taiwan December 4th, you should probably check that out.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, it's going to be cold <laughs> enough out here. I might as well just get on the long plane and uh, get her done. Yeah, so. Maybe I can get them to spring for it. I doubt it. I'm just a field rep.
1: Yeah, just a lowly field wrap <laughs> For you 450 fanatics out there, uh, Hirobo has released a new 450.
2: Yeah, yeah, the yeah the Hirobo, It's the Horoba Embla 450.
1: It's got a flybarless, and flybar version is pretty typical these days, I suspect. Most yeah. everybody's going to come out that way, but...
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so.
1: Not yeah, really yeah. into the 450s, so hmm, take it for what it's worth.
2: It looks like it'll be kind of a cool bird. You know, when you first look at it, it looks kind of busy. But um, I think it's just because you know how it is. Sometimes when you see a new airframe, it takes a little while to get acclimated to what you're looking at and stuff. But Mm it looks like it might be a cool... uh,
1: And uh, as we know, Hirobo's been in the RC helicopter market for quite some time.
2: Forever, dude. They've been been doing this for a long time. Well, and they're the company that came out with uh, what is now the... Yamaha, what is it? The R1000, that huge behemoth like crop duster RC helicopter, the um, one that killed that dude. Yeah, yeah, that thing. <laughs> so, and they actually uh, they worked jointly with uh, Yamaha for a long time to get that right, and uh, made a conscious decision to let you know Yamaha be the the brand, right? And they just put mm-hmm. the technology into it and stuff like that. So.
1: It's- for you Thunder Tiger fans, uh, the X- X-50 and whatnot, uh, you'll see that Thunder Tiger, through Tower Hobbies, has released a new flybarless head. Looks Looks kind of cool. There's one thing about it I don't like. I don't like that big gaping hole in the middle of the
2: hub. Yeah? Well, then maybe I should just keep your Fusion because it's got a big gaping hole in the middle of the hub, too.
1: Yeah, but that's something you put in there, isn't
2: it? <laughs> well, <laughs> now if I told you I didn't, you'd probably still would
1: hey i have several of those outrage fusion heads so uh, don't don't let that keep you from sending it to me
2: okay i don't Uh, mind the head i mean i guess if anything it would make it easy to grease the spindle you just squirt some in towards each grip side or whatever and just let the force pull it towards the dampers i don't know man i'm a big fan of like the gaui x5
1: head i just like that simple solid block look just i like that so Yeah, any other news, man? I don't know if there's any. uh, You know, it's a winter time; not a lot going on. Of course, it's not winter for everybody, but
2: it's not really like a big piece of news, I guess. But I was at uh, at Best Buy today, picking up a new headset for us for recording and just just for having. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. uh, so, for you people that are listening now, comment and tell me if my voice sounds better than before because this is my new headset. But anyway, my uh, my dad. Wait,
1: wait, wait, hang on one sec. Tell us if it makes. not sound gay anymore. That's kind of what we're going after. That's that's what we're hoping for.
2: Yeah, if it sounds like my balls dropped, I'm keeping it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but anyway, I was there, and my dad works there, and uh, you know, everybody knows Best Buy. You got uh, every now and then in the front, you got all the impulse buys and stuff, and all the silly gadgets or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, Best Buy is getting into the coaxial helicopter market. I don't know if my dad went and had a because he's a he's the manager of this store or whatever if they had some sort of corporate meeting he's like dude my kid flies these things you should uh, start selling them I, probably not but anyway the point is there's like five or six different ones there but they got one and i know you've got an iphone damn um they mm-hmm. got one that's controlled with the iphone uh so yeah next time you're well, at best buy guys go check out the impulse racks. see if they got
1: one, one of the one of these days rob you'll you'll join the future and get an iphone
2: I don't know. Maybe. I am dude, I'm I'm diehard Android right now at least like. But no, dude, I agree, man. The iPhone, you know, the whole Apple realm if you will. Dude, Steve Jobs and that company did a great job of tightly integrating all of the hardware that they sell with all of the software that they they promote, you know, and I think <laughs> it's it's a great model, you know, and but I just, you know, I think if I'm going to get into the Apple thing, I mean, I like my phone. You know, I'm not gonna just go search for a provider just so I can get an iPhone. You know, I'm not that guy. You know, I'm, I'm not uh, on like their jock like that. Yeah, like you, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not really. I, I'm not really loyal to. I just love the ease of use on the iPhone. I don't. You know, I don't really use it for much, but calling people. I mean, it is a yeah. phone after all. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> so anyway. A lot of you guys might be aware that um, Rob has been playing around with some Opta Power Packs this past Absolutely week.
2: powerful, yes.
1: This past week, Rob and I had an opportunity to talk to Andy, who is the owner, Mifwick. And for those of you who don't know what Mifwick is, send me a email and I'll tell you, because I'm not going to say it on the air.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he is the I guy. He is the guy. The main, at, uh, yeah. the main guy there at uh, at Optifuel, Opti, Optifuel and OptiPower, it was a it was a good interview. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and play that, but I just let me kind of preface this interview. Uh, there was a bit of a problem with the audio, so the first question I asked him was kind of you know give us a brief you know tell us how OptiPower got it start, how that all came about. So as you hear this interview, we'll just kind of go right into that answer. So. Hope you enjoy. we'll catch you on the other side.
2: Commercial! Commercial <laughs> Stop! Stop
0: One of these models happened to be a helicopter, very old one. Um uh, the nitro one. And, uh, so I took, took that out and thought I'd give it a go. Needed some spares. Found a model shop fairly locally. Went up there and took it up there and showed them. They all had a good laugh. They said we've seen one of those for about 35 years. Um they're not like that anymore. They're, you know, like this. A Raptor or a T-Rex 600 or whatever it was. So I bought a new model, um, and started to learn to fly again. And I was using a, a well-known American brand of nitro fuel at the time. And uh, I went to the shop one day to get some more. and didn't have any in stock. Uh, I said, well, when's it coming? They said, don't know. And I said, what do you mean you don't know? You must know. They said, no, don't know. Pretty typical modelling business. He said, you order stuff. It comes when it comes. You don't necessarily get what you ordered. And you don't know when it's coming. <laughs> and, uh, so I said, well, you can't run a business like that. It's silly. And I happened to own a chemical business. And I had a spare flame-proof plant. So I rapidly went off to the office, saw my general manager. Lee and said, Lee, we're going to make model fuel, mate. And he put arms up in horror and said, oh, no. And <laughs> so off we went and decided we'd make nitrate fuel. Not knowing anything about it, how we were going to do it, we, we were going to do it. And that's where the story started in uh, 2000 and... Early, very early part of 2008, January 2008. Uh, and we... Uh, We set about being a chemical company and having laboratories and facilities. Uh, We got lots of different manufacturers' fuel and benchmarks it all. So we knew how it worked in the machines. We knew broadly what was in it, how it was put together. And then uh, we set about making a fuel that would work as well as what we considered to be the best of those fuels out there, as it happened to be an American brand, uh, in uh, fairness. Um and off we went. Now we did about, that took us about six months of testing. Uh, and we tested every day, a uh, number of different models, uh, styles, types and engines, all with telemetry built in, Eagle Tree telemetry, uh, so we could monitor head temperatures, gas temperatures, backplate temperatures, rotational speeds, etc. And we worked with this data until such time as we got the, the, the fuel where we felt it ought to be. And then we launched the fuel at the 3D Masters in Northampton, Great Britain, uh, in July 2008. And it very quickly became a successful brand, Optifuel. And is very is now, in 2011, it's very well known across Europe. Uh, we have many professional pilots flying our fuel now, both fixed wings, helicopters, and model nitro cars. But... We thought that, okay, great, we've got a great fuel, and we're continually developing the fuel, and we're working with plots of America, uh, our oil supplier, uh, we're developing uh, faster and better and more powerful fuels. But there's a there was a massive uh, sort of move towards lithium in, in modelling, particularly mm-hmm. helicopters, and I couldn't see any reason why we wouldn't consider lithium as fuel. Um, oh, yeah. It's just another form of fuel and uh so we hatched a plan that we really ought to get into the lithium business uh and this was about uh, late well late two thousand and ten middle two thousand and ten we were playing with some ideas exactly the same as the fuel. We don't know anything about lithium I don't know anything about lithium um so we set about learning one of our professional pilots also happens to be a lithium engineer in in another life and uh We'd chat with him and said, well, you're going to do this. You're going to have to understand how different batteries' products work because you're not going to have to physically make them yourself. And so we put a plan uh, in place to try and understand what made one lithium battery different than another. Now that involved buying a lot of expensive test equipment uh, so we could uh, dry test the lithium to destruction whilst linked up to computer equipment monitoring uh, its discharge curves, temperatures, voltage hold, all the usual information that one would want to know about a lithium uh, battery. And we would do this at 1C, at 5C, at 10C, at 15C, at 20C. So such time as either the battery gave up, or we got to the actual c rating of the battery, or until the temperature of the cell got too high and it was one thing was dangerous to carry on. And which happened quite often. And once we did to understood how to test them and what information was uh, useful to us. We then also set about plan to charge them in a structured manner, so that we could also understand how lithium cells charged and what charge they would take, whether their capacities were true capacities, how the internal resistances would would move, and with all that information uh, and a plan hatched, we then set about contacting factories. And we contacted, in, in total, 17 different manufacturers of lithium, um, mostly Chinese but not all, and we set about testing all of their cells. It took a very long time, as should appreciate, because uh, though we didn't test every single size of cell, that wasn't really necessary. We, we were testing similar sizes of cells, very typically 3S2200 sizes, but we put in others as well along the way. Uh, and built up a picture of how each manufacturer's products work. Very interesting exercise. Opened our eyes somewhat to the uh, differences between manufacturers' products. More importantly, the differences between what they were purported to be and what they actually are. Um, Ah
2: yes, the key thing there, for sure.
0: And that was very, very eye-opening. I mean, we all modelers know that uh, so ratings are somewhat uh, ambiguous and often used as a marketing tool uh, more than an engineering tool. Of course, as a as a, as a chemical company, and an engineering company, uh, we have to be very precise with what we do, what we say, for uh, products that we sell, are used in applications where the people that buy them and use them need to know that they do exactly what they say they do. Certainly, don't do less than that. And uh, I can't see why a modeler would expect anything different. So we said about uh, this testing. It took uh, some months to do. Uh, and when we finished all the testing, we did, in fact, come across one manufacturer. I won't say who this is, but one manufacturer who did make what we would call or term an honest sell. There were many which were dishonest cells. They were even less than half their purported C rating, or they get very hot uh, when you really push them hard or they way under capacity, a few over capacity, but some over capacity as well. And of course, the one thing you can't have in a lithium cell is A, cells of different capacity within that pack, and B, of course, you would like to think that that pack would have a rating that was meaningful. So when we'd uh, chosen a, uh, a factory, um, we then set about getting... Uh, or 300 cells from them, of, um majority of which were for helicopters. We we use seven professional uh, helicopter pilots here in the UK and three fixed-wing pilots. These are all master's level or international uh, level pilots, so top-level 3D pilots and top-level uh, fixed-wing pilots. And we issued them all with uh, the same charging equipment, which was CellPro PowerLab 8s, uh, um a selection of cells to suit the helicopters or aircraft that they had, and then we also supplied them all with Castle creations speed controllers for logging uh, because I has built-in logging and then we asked them to see if they could break the cells um, and abuse them as they wished and off they went. Every time they charged, the charging data was downloaded from uh, from the power, from the power lab eight and every time they flew, the data was downloaded from the Castle Creations data logger, and that was collated and sent back to us, and still is today. Uh, We still receive this data from these machines, now about every ten flights, but it was every single flight and every single charge initially. And that all went into a database and that built up a picture of how the cells performed, uh, could slowly but surely give us uh, an insight into what cycle life we might expect. Over over time, and that 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 was very interesting. And 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 when we got enough data together to allow us to be confident that the cells were of a high quality and were likely to give a decent cycle life and not uh, present surprises to uh, the buying public, we then set about um, putting cells into production, uh, branding and those are the cells that you guys in America are, are using today. We're still doing the testing. Uh, testing's ongoing. That won't stop. Same with our nitro products. It just doesn't stop. We, we test and do R&D all the time. Uh, and that data is brought back to us all the time. And slowly but surely, we build a massive amount of, uh, of data which, uh, which, which allows us to have confidence in, uh, in what we what we say about the products and how the products work in the the field. And uh, that's really where this this has come from, how we've done it and how we intend to uh, continue proceeding. Uh, The factory we're working with is is very, very good. We're very pleased with uh, their response to uh, problems, questions, technical issues um, and still, uh, still we will continue testing. Added to that, uh, one that this, this will be of interest to you guys who live in sort of cold areas. Um, it, there's an awful lot of information or misinformation in the market or out in the field at the moment about what, how lithium reacts when it's cold, and how to charge it when it's cold, and how to how to manage it. Uh, and we have got a project in place early in the new year where we have hired an environmental uh, chamber, and we're going to do cold-weather charging and cold-weather discharging tests on lithium uh, from minus 20 or 25 in probably 5 degree steps up to plus 50, uh, and actually understand how the, these packs and lithium in general react with change in temperature, both from the point of view of discharging in, in a range of temperature, but also charging in a range of temperature. On what might happen if you charge in one temperature and use in another, um, and then we will have some definitive definitive information about this. So at the moment, there's lots of stuff out there, but some of it's very contradictory. Um, and it's this sort of work that that is ongoing after the after the sort of the, the launch of the product. We, we don't just launch the product and, and leave it there. We work continuously to try and improve it, understand more about it, and we. Aim to provide premium product, premium packs, and uh, premium gear, and uh, that, that's that's our that's where we want to go.
1: You know, recently on Helifreak there was a uh, a thread about lithium batteries, and you know here in the states there's been a few brands that really started off hot and just a lot of people were into them, but then after about a year you started hearing. Um, Problems with this, problems with that. The cells are prematurely puffing. Uh, they're not holding their charges. they their the cells are dying. Uh, they're not balancing. And there was a large discussion on you know why this happens. And kind of the general consensus of that discussion was that you know initially when these when these packs first hit the market, you know the suppliers of of the cells for the whoever whoever's packs we're talking about. Really make sure that the uh, the cells they're getting are you know I, I I don't even really know from my standpoint how you determine if cells are good. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. But the point of what I, my question is, you know, for initial the initial you know release of these packs, these cells are high quality. But then as time elapses, the quality is just slowly degraded. Yes. How does how how do you guys? account for that and how do you maintain that level of quality control?
0: There are there are a number of ways in which we, we approach this. Uh, at the present uh, we are an ISO nine thousand and one company and an ISO fourteen thousand and one company. So we have to we have a certain quality standards that we, we must all our suppliers must meet. So from the point of view of um, of this our our supplier meets uh ISO requirement um, we need to keep, you need to keep an eye on your suppliers, um, and, uh, in that way we, at the current, present moment, are doing 100% QA checking. So every cell that comes to us is checked, every single cell. Now, we can't do a, a obviously charge and discharge on every cell, that wouldn't be practical, way too time consuming. But what we do do is that we check that there's no dead, dead cells in the pack on arrival. Right. So every lithium pack, uh, is, is checked from that point of view, and if there are any discrepancies on the cells, then those cells are taken out of uh, out of out 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 of circulation as it were. They're then checked and we, we move on from there. The the other issue about about quality is that because we have uh in the UK and Europe now seventy uh seventy sponsored pilots, um both wing and Helicopter and some car drivers uh we issue them obviously with with cells and, and they fly them. And and these guys uh will report back to us any problems or issues that they have uh, in the event they have them. i have to say so far, touch wood, uh very few problems occurred um in either from the factory or uh in in use. And we will continue to be diligent in, in keeping an eye on the factory. We're confident with, uh, with the supply we've got, and I'm, I'm hoping that uh, our quality can be maintained. I've too heard these stories about what we, what we would call class A and class B lithium, um, and we do see in the UK an awful lot of the cells that come in with a very low cost uh, cells um, from direct China usually are very often only good for 20 cycles, and then. Uh, they uh, they descend into uh, into puffing or failing or not balancing anymore.
2: It's very uh, enlightening to to hear what kind of uh, I guess industrial grade background Optifuel and OptiPower has. You know, you guys uh, you've got a lot of resources at your disposal uh, to be able to do this kind of thing. And I think that uh, just like you had mentioned, it's it's not something that I frankly until this conversation have heard a lot about in general from a manufacturing standpoint but uh to to do that due diligence is a i think an excellent way to keep a good barometer on where where your supply chain is at and uh where your product's going and where you can take it from there you know you know andrew i have to say you know i'm uh, i'm uh, fairly impressed with them you know i've, I've run them back to back with packs that are rated at uh you know easily 10 to 20 c higher you know on paper quote unquote on paper and, you know, they, they seem to be performing equally, you know, discharge graphs, uh, you know, control – I did a couple of control flight tests against another brand, uh, another manufacturer battery, and and I, I data logged them as well on my Eagle Tree. And, um, you know, these batteries are performing as good or better uh, than much more expensive packs that are, you know, that are rated yeah. at well, a higher I think- you know, and, and and to be honest with you, when I when I started to put up uh, some information in, in in the circles that we run in here on in the forums and stuff that we visit, and one of the very first questions that came up, or one of the very first talking points that came up, was that C rating. You know, in the United States, everybody likes things bigger, better, faster. You know, <laughs> give me the extra large soda for a dollar instead of the medium. You know what I mean? Um, so it, it's it's no it's of no consequence that people will just go out and try and buy something with the largest number on the battery without any sort of background knowledge as to how that number was acquired. Um, You know, I I came into this um, basically trying to review a battery that, by all rights, is rated at roughly half the C rating of what we're seeing, the new popular, you know, quote, popular batteries that that are being marketed today. Um, and I have to say, I'm, a, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised at the performance that I'm pulling out of these batteries, and, and, and I haven't uh, seen any sort of uh, degradation of quality, and I've flown easily 60, 70 cycles in each one of the batteries that I've, that I've got here. So,
0: Well, I'm, I'm really pleased to hear that, because that's, that's exactly what we would hope, and exactly what we found ourselves. Plainly, uh, we have also taken some of the what are, some of the best brands out there, and really are, Good brands, and there's one particular American brand which we rate very highly here in Europe, um and he is a very good, very, very good sell indeed, and we, we were hoping that we would be able to match that particular pack. And we reckon we have actually achieved that now. We're probably about 2% better. Now this issue about C ratings is a very interesting one because uh, of all the testing we did, almost none of the batteries And I I say that we probably tested more than 200 individual cells, uh, which took ages, and almost none of them would meet the C-rating the manufacturer said they were. Some of them wouldn't meet half um, the C-rating that was printed on it. The C-rating of our packs, and we we took a lot of time over this. In fact, we even thought I suggested to uh, uh, colleagues that were doing the the physical work that why put C ratings on them at all. Indeed, what if they're so inaccurate? Why bother? Uh, Does anybody know how a C rating is derived? Even chances are, virtually none of the models do. So, is it actually, if it's going to be used as a marketing tool, is it indeed useful from the engineering perspective? Yes, it's not really. However, my colleagues thought it would be a step too far not to put a C rating on. And my view was, as an engineer, we're going to put a C rating on. Let's put a C rating on that is actually true, accurate. And if you could actually drive that pack at 30C, which you can't, but if you could, it would do it. And that, that's where we're coming from. Now, so we are going through a re-education to some degree, in fact, for a large degree. Because here in the UK it's pretty much the so. same, you know, somebody looks at one pack and looks at another, one's 65C and one's 30C, they say hey, the 65C one must be better. So our, our, our goal going forward is to do two things, is to try and change people's understanding of what a C rating is, how it's derived, whether it's even important, um, and for people to use a cell and then suddenly realize, so in actual fact the C rating is a bit irrelevant. Uh, to the average modeler. Um, so long as the pack is a strong pack, and has good IR, um, it is likely that it will be a good pack. If it gets hot, then it's, it's something wrong with it. It's got poor IRs, cells are not matched, the C rating it has on it is actually irrelevant. Yep. Uh, so the, the, the issue here is, I think, is one of education, and one of use. and we, we're well, well, well north of 100 cycles on our packs. And at 100 cycles, we're seeing, for a sport pilot, wouldn't be able to notice the degradation in output. Hard 3D pilot, like yourself, probably at 120 cycles, would probably be able to feel there might be a very minor difference in the performance of that cell. But even at 100 plus cycles, hard 3D for four and a half minutes, those packs are relatively full cool when they come off. Um, certainly not more than 15-20C, um, or just above the ambient condition. But yep. That that means they're high C, they're higher, they're high C rated, and they're well matched. Um, i.e., they're not one packet, one, one cell within that packet, not trying to drive another. They're actually discharging in unison nicely, and yep. that's really the issue. That, that's actually the only issue in the end of the day. Um, and we do, did we did have a lot of objection when we first introduced them, lots of chit chat on the forums. That's all gone away now here in the UK. Um, people use them, and very experienced people, some of which have been sponsored by other and flyers have come over to us. purely and simply, they on the basis they use the packs, they're great. You know, and that's and that's it. Uh, you, you know, C ratings. On our packs, our pack ratings. One of the other interesting things, you know, if you go to an, an your average 3D pilot, hard, hard nosed, you know, expert, masters level 3D pilot, and ask him how much C do you pull when you're flying, they don't really know. but um, well, the answer is less than ten. So, what... yeah,
2: when you do when you do the math on that and you come up with an amperage, an average amperage rating, definitely, yeah, less than ten.
0: I mean, you 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 probably look at the currents you pull. You you probably pull a steady 70, 80, perhaps even 90 amps, and you peak, peaks, transient peaks for a second at 190 amps. Second yeah. at that top. Um, therefore, the see ratings that are being pulled on these packs is actually relatively low. Um, they they're, they they at 30C pack. That's a properly 30C pack. Will run all day on a TV helicopter, no problem whatsoever.
1: So let me ask you this though, because there's a lot of people, and me included, because I, you know, I'm just kind of starting the electric thing. Mm -hmm. The amp draw of of helicopters, as as you get bigger and you start running in packs and series, the amp draw is decreased because of the higher voltage, correct? Yeah. So on these smaller helicopters, is the C rating? More important, like a 450, where the amp draw, the lower voltage and the amp draw might spike high
0: for yeah, these packs. Yeah, it doesn't actually spike any higher, uh, and the average amp draw doesn't really change that much. Um, so the, 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 the whole the whole thing is smaller. In reality. Um, so no, it's not really it's not really a big issue where it becomes it, Again, it's, if the packs are properly balanced in the, and, the, and the packs are properly, properly managed, then they'll, they'll be fine. Uh, you don't need what is on the face of it, a 50-60C. Right, right. I yeah, mean, an awful, awful lot of, a, an awful lot of, um, a, an awful lot of the, the issues around lithium is, is a lot to do with how lithium is used and, and how it's charged and, and and how the owner of that lithium looks after it, um, uh, and an awful lot of people abuse their hats mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It without realizing.
2: That. Yeah, that's one thing I was just about to bring up myself too, because I think that one thing that I've started to notice, and I'm a, you know, I'm a victim of this too, and I've I've done it. Um, I think a lot of people will do it. Is you get this uh, kind of a self-perpetuating cycle. You know, when I first got into this hobby, the largest number that I would see on a battery was, I think, 30C or something like that. And then all of a sudden, the 40C pack started coming out, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, i got to get that. So the larger the number I was seeing on this battery, again, as we've been talking about today, without really knowing anything about the background of how that number was derived, the whole point was, when I saw a larger number, I felt like I could beat on those packs more Mm -hmm. with less consequence. But as we see, it's plain to see that, the number on the battery doesn't always necessarily reflect the actual performance capability of the cells inside the wrapper. Mm-hmm. That, as I see a large number on this pack, and, I, and I'm pushing on this battery, or, or I'm, I'm, I'm deep discharging it, assuming that um, you know I've got room to breathe here, or I'm charging it too fast because you know I know a lot of. Battery manufacturers these days are putting, you know, 5C, 6C charge rates. I think charging batteries very quickly is all fine and good occasionally, but um, you know, if those cells aren't up to snuff of what that wrapper is telling you, you're doing damage to the batteries by charging them so fast too. I mean, that's that's, that's another cool. one of those metrics that I see that it's just getting way
0: out of hand. Yeah, so. one manufacturer, one supplier, not manufacturer, of who uh, says you can charge their cells at 10C? Absolute rubbish. Um, it's it it you really i mean our our advice to people is if you're at home charge at one c if you're at the field charge at two c if you must charge at three c no more the The actual difference in charge time is not great anyway uh from from one c to three c um and the the damage that can be done uh to give you some an example of this we' talk to talking to our manufacturer um he would say that if you've got a 300-cycle capable lithium battery charging at 1C, you were to charge it at 5C, you would reduce that to 30 useful cycles. Yeah. Now um, that may or may not be true. We are actually doing testing at the present moment on high-cycle testing to, uh, or high-C charging, I say, to see what the effects are. And we've, we've yet to finish that work, and as soon we do, we'll, we'll, we'll publish that work let people know what the facts are about our packs. I can't comment for other people's packs but I suspect the, the laws are pretty much the same. Um and uh, we we will see what uh, what what damage we can do by uh, by overcharging them if you like. Uh all oh, my packs and I've obviously been doing a lot of testing. I mean I've used my packs. I fly them till they're nearly zero percent in them. Um I charge them as hard as I dare. Uh, I, I don't do what I tell people to do, which is to leave them in storage charge until you're about to use them and charge them. I charge mine up and leave them charged. Absolutely no-no with lithium your batteries. It's definitely a damn damage them if you do that. But I'm interested to see how I can, how much abuse they'll take. And the, um the, the, and, and people, one of the things which has always surprised me a little about people who fly electric is that you buy all your fuel like up front. You'll go and buy eight or ten packs. That might cost you a thousand dollars or more, perhaps, depending whose selling you buy. But so you're buying all your fuel up front. You've got to look after that fuel. You've got to manage that fuel. You've got to uh, be careful with it. There's a lot of money and in investment there. And yep. it's also dangerous if you abuse it. Um, unlike microfuel, you buy it as you use it. Uh, so I think there needs to be a mindset change, uh, in a number of ways, not not just in terms of what the ratings are or aren't, but also in how you manage fuel you buy. Up.
1: Yeah, I got to tell you, from my perspective, coming from gasser and nitro and just now starting electric, that's that's my that's the worst as far as my management of my helicopter stuff, taking care of those batteries and having to worry about them. I don't like it. I, I don't, I don't like, uh, I don't like worrying about, you know, my charging station. Should I charge? You know, I've got a trailer that I take to the field. Should I charge inside that trailer, or should I charge outside? Should I bring the batteries in the house in the winter when it's getting cold, or should I just try to keep my trailer at a temperature? You know, and that's, you know, that's my own.
0: There is more management associated with looking after uh, lithium cells than there is with really looking after a nitro or a gas. Uh, no question about it, um, and you have this added problem that if you do abuse them badly enough, they will they will explode, um, yeah. and, and the fire, as you no doubt seen before from a lithium cell, is something to behold. It's uh, it's, yes. not, it's not not something you want to happen in your house. I think the other thing which is unusual from our perspective, uh, because we don't come from the modeling world of the business traditionally, is that we we have been upfront and honest. And we publish all the information we find. Um, it's on our website, and and we, we, we tell people the truth, basically.
1: There's one thing about that I noticed is everything you guys do, the literature, the research, it's it's all there for public consumption. I mean, it's there's it, you're not just making a claim and not showing any research or, or evidence of that claim, which is refreshing.
0: Okay. that's yeah,
1: a lot of questions that rob and i get when or if these batteries are going to be available in the states the second most asked question uh, is price range and i'm not sure if you're if you have kind of a rough idea of what these packs are going to be on the u.s market or if you even want to get into that yet but
0: well, we haven't, um, haven't finalised what prices might be in the US market, but they won't be very different than uh, if you were just to convert the um, the English yeah, pound into uh, dollars. Um, if you were to, uh, as I'm sitting here talking to you at the moment, I would be guessing that a 6S5000 pack would be in the order of $140 uh, yeah. retail. Um, and that, I think, would be what I would describe as an honest price for that pack. You, you will see packs of that type or that size and capacity probably at 250 dollars uh, Oh yeah. Like um, yep. uh, and they don't need to be that. You know, it's uh, somebody is, um, is making too much money out of that.
1: Yeah, I think I think that uh, as word spreads. I mean, you know, we're all kind of hungering for that 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 pack that says what it does, what it says, and, and lasts, and is, is a quality. You know, I mean, we all kind of go through that phase. I went through the phase the Chinese, you know, packs. I'm like, oh my gosh, you kidding me? Forty bucks for a six cell? Hell yeah, send me six of them, you know. Yeah. And then I, you know, you get them and you're all excited because you've got six fresh batteries. It just doesn't take long before you start to feel the frustration.
2: Yeah, you start right. having to dispose of them. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> right.
0: right. Yeah, and if, you got, if you bought six and you got six that actually works, and you got them. That'd be in itself. I mean, if you if you uh, if you get 20 cycles out of pack and you pay 40 bucks for it, and you and you get 100 cycles out of pack that you paid 100 bucks for, the 100 bucks packs a lot cheaper. Yeah. And um, uh, people need to start really start believing to understand this that cheap isn't necessarily good. Um and uh, if you want a pack that's been properly QA'd, has had uh, some matching done on it, has got the right chemistry in it at the right levels for the pack, uh, and has silicon cables in it that aren't going to crack and break, um, uh, and you you can't have that cheaply. Um, there is a price for it, and, and but that price doesn't have to be silly.
1: Where where is electric powered helicopters where do you see it i mean they're just getting bigger and, and we're talking about 14 cell and, and and these huge you know 160 200 amp ESCs and batteries to power these things do you, where do you see, where do you see the the future of i mean do I you see, see
0: i think there's i think the future of lithium in helicopters and the airplanes is is strong um, I think that's, that it's here to stay. And, uh, we, we do have, uh, 7S ready for 14S, uh, uh, packs ready for the bigger helicopters when they come. We're also due to fuel testing, uh, for engine manufacturers, um or model engine manufacturers, and we've been testing the YS120 for some time now. Um, and we test that back to back with electric 2X700. Uh, running our own packs. And the it's interesting uh the, the YS120 uh, is in a T-Rex 700 uh, and back-to-back with the the electric version of the 700 being flown by a, a master's-level pilot here in the UK they're about the same on power. Uh, the big difference between the two um, is at four and a half minutes the electric helicopters starting to to lose a bit of head speed. Five minutes. It's it's, it's well that's it really. The electric. Um, the YS 120 still going strong at eight minutes, um, pulling just as much torque as it was right at the beginning, uh, and that's the difference. So I think both both disciplines will 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 prevail. Many people will continue to fly both types. It um, depends what you want to do. I think. Uh, when the when the 12s setups came along a year or two ago, the power was awesome in comparison to a standard 91 nitro engine, massively more. With the new breed of engines, new OS engines that are coming along, this isn't the case. Um, and so I think there is a place for both. I certainly love flying both. So, I think in terms of just raw power, the new breed of engines, nitro engines, are catching up, and therefore they will uh, be a place for them, and there certainly will be a place for electric. massive advantage of electric, of course, is that you can just take, you just know, want to pop out and go for a quick fly, then that's mm-hmm. a pass, And And are they are extremely powerful, and they're fire game. again, um, but... Uh, My view is is both both types of uh, fuel will prevail over the years, and and I think Nitro has its place. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, I think as the power systems for these helicopters increase, like they have, uh, you know, something's got to give. Either either we have to come to the realization that enough is enough when it comes to power, or they're going to have to start changing uh, the design of helicopters. And actually, I kind of think if you take a close look at the Goblin, I think that design change is happening. That's where we're going to start stepping into bigger, better, more robust power systems. I mean, it's just crazy. And we're talking about power that could kill a person.
0: Oh, yeah. You know. talking about legal power.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this...
0: The, the, the Goblin is, a, is, a, is an interesting model, and uh, I, I, I think that, that uh, that's, that's going to be an interesting model from the, from the speed priest point of view. Which is very, very good. And then, uh, you know, at Venlo this year, we, we saw the, the, uh, logo extremes, which is enormous, yeah. um, flying 14S. Uh, there will, there they will get to a point where, where there will be an equilibrium where there's no point in going any bigger. Um, and I don't think we're very far that.
1: Andy, it's been a pleasure having you on. I, I uh, you know, we've been kind of dealing with you. The RCLE Nation has been kind of, you know, working with you with these packs for quite some time. And, you know, we've been trying to, Get you on, and uh, just finally uh, everything lined up, and we were able to get you uh, to come on. And, and um, I tell you, it's been enlightening and fun to talk to you about these packs because, y- you know, I as a newbie into electrics really don't understand them. And if it wasn't for Rob, I probably wouldn't have ever even given a electrics a try.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not. Nice and uh, it's it, it, um, sort of public out there in America. I mean. You only have to email us. We we'll are always happy to ask questions. The, uh, the uh,
1: Absolutely. And also, too, just kind of off a side note, we do know of some people that have actually made orders from FastLads to have shipped over here some of your packs. So, that's interesting news. I haven't heard that. Yeah, so that's it's happening. I mean, it's uh, people are, are feeling it, and I think, as I mentioned earlier, everyone's kind of – we're looking for that battery pack that actually does what it says and doesn't, you know, shit out on us in a, in a year. So.
0: Well, as and, uh, you may not be aware, fast are in fact the OptiPower in the UK. Uh, anyway, yeah. so, um, they, they always- yeah.
1: Well, Andy, as you uh, as you get more news or anything exciting happening uh, with uh, your OptiPower packs, I'd love to have you on. And uh, it's been a, it's like I said, it's been a pleasure having you.
0: I think. Well, thanks for that. It's been a pleasure having the opportunity to talk, and uh, love, love, love to talk again when we've got uh, some more.
1: Hey, this is Matt Botis with Synergy RC. You're listening to RC Heli Nation. So there you go, Rob. That was uh, Andy from Up to Power.
2: Yes, it was. That was a pretty insightful interview.
1: Yeah, I really... Uh... You know, not really being an electric guy. It was really kind of eye-opening to kind of hear the the process, you know, the quality control process and kind of what I guess essentially boils down to the, you know, the separation from, you know, just rebranding some cheap packs and actually taking the time to make sure your packs are good.
2: Yeah, some ground-up development for sure, you know, and I didn't know what to expect when – when you told me well this is somewhere around show two or three or something like that that um we were gonna that that you were talking with andy here with opti fuel about the opti power batteries because i know you've kind of been floating around in the the uk forums longer than i have so became aware of them or whatever and i didn't know what to expect but i fly them i like them and now i understand why why it's becoming so popular over there even the, the fuel you know and the batteries because this company is taking the time to do it straight from the ground up i mean when i heard andy say i've got a spare chemical plant let's go make some <laughs> fuel you know i'm like really a spare so you have more than one and so i've got this spare one that we're just going to retool just for making model fuel you know and uh, that's so it's pretty eye-opening apparently he's been in the chemical business i didn't know this until he said that he's been in the chemical business for like 15 14 15 years or something so obviously they got a from an engineering perspective the people that work at his company have the, the wherewithal to, to do it right, you know. So I dig it. You know, I know, and, and I'm, that's not to say there aren't any other manufacturers that
0: are doing that. And
2: Granted, you know, I don't have a lot of backstory. You know, I'm not a, you know, I'm not, I don't have everybody's documentation and stuff like that. It's just my opinion. But, you know, I'm pretty sure Thunder uh, Power, Hyperion, probably the Outrage uh, line, you know, those batteries are probably something that a lot more thought has been, into creating those batteries there's probably some good measure of testing that's been going on more extensive you know than just uh ordering up a case quantity of you know a thousand six cell batteries a thousand three cell batteries and sending them a picture for them to wrap around the, the heat shrink you know and, um so i mean i know you got your your low-end stuff you know where you, your chinese you know knockoffs your blue lipos i fly the blue lipos and they flew fine but they just like Everybody says, you know, they eventually started just giving up the ghost and falling quick, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of people like the Gen Z batteries. Apparently, they're working pretty well. So, whatever they're doing there, maybe they're maybe they're trying to buy kind of top shelf cells. But I, I think they're probably still sourcing whole packs. They're not actually doing any sort of development on their own, right? Um, you know, no offense to the people that like these two brands. They're they're fairly popular right now. Uh, Pulse and Volts. I've heard uh, a lot of mixed things about the pulse batteries. Some people are mm-hmm. less than happy with what's been going on with those batteries. Again, I, I I this is again is my opinion. It could be completely hearsay, but I'm pretty sure they're they're just ordering batteries and wrapping them, you know. Yeah. Um and the volts packs too. I mean, I I I think Ready Heli has a, as a company, uh the Revco uh I guess entity if you will. They, you know, they've they've got a, a, a. I think they've got a lot of resources to push around, but I'm I'm pretty sure they probably don't have a full boat testing facility in place to test those volts batteries. So in some mm-hmm. on some level, it's in some way, um, a kind of a, a turnkey thing for them too with those batteries. You know, um, like I said, you know, send the hate mail to Rob, I guess, but uh, <laughs> I know guys that fly the volts batteries and they like them. I know, I have them. But you oh, know, I have the Volt's batteries. Yeah. Here, here's what I see though. I see people that fly the Volt's batteries, and just like the bulk of that interview we just had, really the only thing that they have to go that they have to fall back on is this phenomenally large C rating that's on the pack as a mm-hmm. reason why they got them. You know, um, frankly, for a battery that, it, it, you know, I made that joke way back when we first talked about the OptiPower. I made the Chinese voice, oh, more season there, blah, 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 or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. You take a battery of the same uh, capacity, say 2,200 milliamp three-cell battery, right? Mm -hmm. A 30C battery is going to weigh X amount of grams. If it's really a 60C battery, it's going to weigh a lot more. So I can't understand why a volts, 40... What, what 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 my buddy's flying a volts 43 no 41 or 4200 milliamp pack and it's lighter than my hyperion 4200 milliamp pack when his says it's 20 c more than mine i just can't see why how that could even be possible the physics just don't they don't con, they, they, it's just not conducive to that even being real and so that again just gets back to the, the whole bloated nature, the marketing nature of the C rating mm-hmm. and stuff. So I think it'll be interesting to see. And you know, OptiPower is one of I think probably some other companies that eventually are going to say, "Look, guys, let's let's just get down to brass tacks and figure out really what these things are." I mean, mm-hmm. Andy said it himself. I've said it plenty of times. I had this huge debate with a guy um, at the FunFly I went to in June about can you even pull 65C worth of a 5,000 milliamp pack on your 700? Hell no. You're going to melt the wires before you could actually pull those kind of amps on your helicopter. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. nobody's ever hitting anything close to that. And, of course, everybody says, oh, headroom. There's headroom there. Well, of course there is. There's going to be headroom on a 30 C pack. You're never going to hit that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, when when you're done with those arguments and you put those aside, all that you're left with is how true are the cells in actual size? Are they all actually 4,200 milliamps each cell? Or did you get a, a, a batch where some were 4,100, some were 4,600? That happens all the time. I opened mm-hmm. up a battery one time that I got. It was a turn battery that I got. And I'm not shitting you. On the cells, they they dot matrix print on the cell what the, the capacity of them were. None of them were the same number. One of them was 200 – it was like two or 300 milliamps less than what I bought. You know what that means, right? When you get to the end of the pack, you've just deep discharged that cell, and now that whole pack is getting ready to give up the ghost. You didn't even know it, you know. You thought you bought something on a sticker. You didn't buy that because they didn't test it.
1: Well, you know, I've got, and I've talked with you about this several times. There's there's two two issues with helicopters that I really think boil down to just simple marketing. First, it's the C rating. Yeah. But more, the one I've been talking about the most longest is this marketing idea that you need to put a $150 servo in your helicopter
2: to yeah. make it worth anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I You anything. know, I'm
1: just – I'm not convinced. That's all there is to it, and that's my opinion. And granted, you know, a lot of people will say, well, Dan, you're not flying at that level. Well, that may be, but not many people are flying at a level where they're going to notice the minuscule difference.
2: Yeah. That that extra $100 is buying them. Oh, I hear you. Now, tail servos, I, I have to admit, the faster you make that tail servo go – the the smoother that tail works and i totally agree with that but flake for cyclic and stuff like that i'm on the same page as you dan i fly the and it's funny that we brought this up because i just got done listening to um and yes of course i listen to these podcasts i always have and i always will um listen to the rc today show it was um uh, mm-hmm. episode i think 10 or 11 or something like that and they were talking about that and chris brought up his fusion 50 that he's running low buck stuff in, and it flies great. He flies it on eight mm-hmm. cells. He's got original uh, Hyperion servos in it, which probably are the same as what I fly the, on my five fifty, the Hyperion uh, uh, FMDs, the DH or the DS twenty FMDs. Um, great servos, never had troubles or, uh, troubles with them. Metal gear, they fly great. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 don't develop slot very quickly, and they're like thirty nine bucks a piece.
1: And here's the deal. Here's the deal if they do develop slop even if you wanted to replace the whole servo after a yeah. year yeah you're you're talking three years of servos for the price of one
2: for like one torque or something like that now exactly. for the bling factor or for me to for for me for the bling factor or for me to be that guy that i could be at the flying field like ha-ha, check my helicopter great you know fine if i want to buy it for that purpose great but mm-hmm. in, i agree with you dan there's no way like me as a medium grade pilot or even my buddy that I was telling you about that we had this big debate about the C-ratings and stuff, he's a good pilot. That's our friend. Uh, uh, his heli-freak user is uh, a.k.a. Mullet, uh, Dave from Anything Heli, right? Mm-hmm. He flies well, right? I would be willing to say – and he likes to say that he could tell the difference. And he, you might be able to – it might it might feel like it feels a little bit smoother or something like that. But by all rights, you're still going to be able to do a reversing pyro flip or – uh, a really fast backwards hurricane and quickly transitioned into something else into a tail slide and then a hard stop and all the same shit that you would be doing anyway, you would still mm-hmm. be able to perform all of those maneuvers on a $30 servo, you know? So I agree. Completely. I, I'm right so, there with you, man.
1: So anyway, Rob, I want to get serious for a second.
2: I kind of, I, I, you know, let me guess you're, you're going from sandals to flip flops
1: close. Close, but no, seriously, I uh, this past week I've been watching, and I don't know what's going on on the History Channel, but I've been watching a lot of documentaries on, uh, on Vietnam. We have a lot of people, you know, look at the demographics of our Facebook page. Of course, that's just a small, you know, I think, pretty representative sample of our listeners. And a lot of you guys out there between the ages of 25 and 45 that are listening to our show which probably means a lot of you guys are if not in the military you're you have been involved in the military at some point in your life
2: oh yeah and i grew up an one, army brat my whole life yeah
1: you know kind of it doesn't really have anything to do with helicopters but i you know i think it, it just can't be said enough you know these guys they get paid very little they put their lives on the line and politics aside and I'm not here to argue politics. Should we be there? Should we not be there? It doesn't matter where we yeah. are. These guys go out and risk their lives uh, on a daily basis. And I just don't think it can be said enough. Uh, thank you guys for your service. Yeah, and, for sure. And, and not, just, not just those of us in the States. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't care what country you're from. If you are spending time in the military... In the service of your country, you deserve a thanks, and so thank you, and your service is appreciated. And uh, that's—I'll get off my serious soapbox now. I just
2: felt like that needed to be said. Yeah, for sure. It does—it does have to be said every now and then, Dan. I totally agree.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the KDS Motor Giveaway. Yes. Yes. Uh, Can I quit the
2: show? So can I quit the show so I can sign up for that? Well, you.
1: You can, <laughs> you, you can so sign in under alias. I don't have a <laughs>
2: helicopter big enough to put that damn thing in
1: anymore. Yeah, so, uh, got into, well, HeliSmack, in conjunction with RC Heli Nation is mm-hmm. giving away. They've donated a KDS 5025 uh, 500 KV motor. I- I'm under the impression that that's for a 700, but apparently some of you crazy guys are putting that in 600s. So crazy. the point is, the point is. Uh, get to our Facebook page and if you haven't clicked that like button yet, you, you should do that because if you look over to the left of the page, you'll see a tab there that says contest. Click on that and just answer the question in episode number nine. We had Tammy on and she told us that she mainly flies two different helicopters. And of course that answer is in episode number nine. Just answer the question and you're entered and I got to tell you, Rob, I'm pretty impressed with how many people are entering this contest. We've already gone over the number of people who entered in into the uh, Maverick Blade contest. So your odds are still amazing. I, I, you know, even if every listener that listens to our show, the, you know, there's a few thousand of you out there, um, your odds are still pretty good because not everybody's going to enter. They don't need it. They don't want it. Whatever.
2: Well, my Simon's hand isn't very big, so he's he's got a pretty good chance of accidentally grabbing your name instead of the name right next to it. So
1: exactly. Wondering. So just to kind of go over how we're going to do that, um, once you enter, your name will be listed for us. We'll uh, we'll export that into an Excel file. I'll fire it off to Rob. Rob will let Simon pull out the scissors, hopefully the, the rounded scissors and the, not the little sharp ones. The
2: special ones,
1: yes. Well, the special scissors. He'll then cut those up. We'll put them into... Well, it would have been nice to be able to put those in a fusion canopy again.
2: Uh, well, I could try with the one that I have here, but there's a the big old <laughs> giant tear in the side of it so the old things
1: would fall out. <laughs> so we'll put that in, in there and we'll let Simon draw a winner. And uh, that winner will be drawn next week. Uh, we'll try to do the drawing the day before we record the show so we have some time to get a hold of the winner, get them on the show, And, uh, of course, we will then release on Facebook who the winner is when we release episode number 11. Cool. So good luck on that. Uh, Facebook, it's going great. We're up to damn near 240 likes. It's uh, going pretty quick. Thank you guys for for doing that. Uh, Also, our webpage. There's something I got to say about the webpage now. You know, you sign up on the web page, and I have to go through and physically approve approve everybody who signs up. And and I'm kind of at a loss sometimes because if I see a really strange name, I'm probably going to not approve it because I'm thinking it's probably a spam bot or something to that effect. Uh, I, we get a lot of those, as you can well imagine. Yeah. Oh so. Yeah. I have a tendency to look at the email address, and if it looks like a legit email address, I might approve it. But what I'm getting at is, if you sign up for the page, don't don't pick some x y one two three dot three seven. You know what I'm saying? Don't, yeah, just, yeah. Just use use a standard name. You know, it just just that way you you won't feel slighted because I didn't accept you. I just need to make sure we keep spam bots out of the out of the server. So.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh,
1: Get in touch with us. Dan K. Reed at MSN.com. Dan K. Reed on all the forums. Check out the uh, RC Haley Nation uh, listeners corner on Haley Freak. Great way to communicate with us. Facebook, as you guys know that do the Facebook thing. We are constantly posting questions, what we're doing, updates, stuff like that. Also over there for you guys in the U.K., uh, RC Heliatics. We do have a forum there. Uh, how, how am I going to get in touch with you, Rob?
2: Uh, smoke signals work best. Puff, smoke signals. Yeah. Puff. Wait. Long puff. Wait. <laughs> and then puff. Wait. And that then I'll, of, I'll look for it. Uh, that I'll kind of it.
1: that kind of sounds like a throwback to my college days. Puff. Wait. <laughs> no, wait, that's wait.
2: that's that's puff. Puff. Give.
1: Oh, is that what that is? Uh, until and the, it's like been. The,
2: until like the third or fourth one then it's puff forget burn your finger relight
1: pass <laughs> it's been so it's been so long i i just don't remember the rules
2: no but no, for real though you can reach me at rob at com. uh you hit me up on facebook uh come friend come friend me and i'll poke your wall um come poke our wall shit and then we can uh we can see how many of you guys are actually reading it um, you can also uh visit my front porch we got a link to that from uh, com as well come check out my blog i i got you know build reviews and uh how-tos and tips and tricks and stuff in there uh all of my galley buddies know all about it already but everybody else come check it out and uh, uh, i got a little contact me thing on there now this is just a cheesy google website so i'm not sure i have to figure out how to tweak that but um if you do want to contact me and you fill out that little form and hit send Drop your email address in there because it doesn't tell me who you are when you do it. So I have no way of getting back a hold of you unless you tell me what your email address is or whatever. But, um, you can find me on Skype, NextGenRC, if you want to hit me up and chat. You can do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, come check out my YouTube page and uh, subscribe to that sucker as well.
1: And, of course, you can always reach Callum at Callum at com or Callum on the Internet.
2: Yeah, that works. That's that, that works. Mm-hmm.
1: A big shout-out to all of our convict listeners down there down under yes that's right i've been noticing that uh, isn't, uh, I, you know i think a lot of those guys in australia kind of take pride in that uh yeah uh,
2: if, and if you old, don't <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. been noticing that uh, the downloads from the from australia have just been going up dramatic, dramatic dramatically dramatically
2: <laughs> so, so the aussies are listening nice the,
1: that's nice yeah so Keep doing it, guys. Keep telling your friends about us. Um,
2: so they've changed from boxing kangaroos to listening to podcasts. Somebody must have. Uh, they must
1: have finally got the internet down there. Yeah. Hey, did you know that that the toilets flush backwards in Australia?
2: Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah, I knew. <laughs> did they? I wonder if they think they probably are like, no, that's normal. Yours. Is backwards.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just Hey, I just also want to say, guys, thanks for listening to the show. I know your guys' time is valuable, and we appreciate you spending it with us. If you want to get in touch with us, go ahead and do that. If you got questions, suggestions, people you'd like us to talk to on the show, which reminds me of one more little thing I want to talk to before I let you guys go. There's been quite a few follow-up questions for the Mike Velez interview. That was, uh, I believe, in episode number eight.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've seen those out there, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I'm just just what I'm gonna do is uh, I'm gonna email Mike and see if I can't get him to respond to some of those questions, and then I'll in an upcoming show I'll I'll just kind of read those out to you. I I don't I don't want to speak for Mike.
2: Yeah, we can try and do our little our little part to get some hard hitting journalism back out of the guy. I know, and we tried that. You know, we did some of that on that interview and stuff. But uh, to be perfectly honest with you, man, you know. Hey, Mike, I think you're a great guy. Um, But the, uh, for instance, the website's not up yet. And he said it was going to be, you know. So, I mean, and whatever. Business is business, you know. Certain things happen or whatever. And I'm not his pal. You know, I'm not his best buddy. So I'm not in the loop. I don't work there. But uh, still, I I would like to know some of these things, too.
1: Sure. We did it, Rob. We got past. This is episode 10. We were wondering if it was going to happen. And here it is.
2: Yeah, I know, man. In the books. It's official.
1: Thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back next week. How's that sound?
2: That's all right. Hang on a sec. I want to do it. A... Hey, here we go. Okay. I'm so anal about this shit. <laughs> so stupid. I'm just to <laughs> randomly grab one.
1: You don't think I'm going to edit that out, do you? <laughs> okay. Any, yeah. any time I get Rob to say I'm so stupid, i got to leave that
2: one in. Yeah. I, I'm. No, I said I was anal. What? Oh,
1: I... Thanks, guys, for listening. And we will... See you next week. (laughs) Teacher Chonana!